0: Operator Syndrome episode 33, looking a little bit different here. Uh, You'll see that uh, I don't have my partner in crime, uh, Steve, with me this time. He's off traveling. Um, So I'm going to do a couple episodes um, just on my own. So forgive the slight change in format. Uh, I'm going to do my best because I certainly feel like I'm a crazy person talking in my basement to myself, which I am, but uh, we wanted to continue with the the cadence of content that we've got. Uh, I'm going to pick back up with my timeline, my personal timeline uh, service in the, uh, in the Ranger Regiment, and I had a particular story that I've alluded to before um, that I figured might be good to sort of tell on my own until we can get Steve back, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm pretty sure it's going to be two episodes, so let's just go ahead and go with that. Um, so you'll just hear me tell this story. Won't have Steve's comment uh, and his feedback, uh, but maybe we'll pick that up in a later episode. Not sure. Not sure how we're going to approach that. But you'll get the benefit of hearing it, I guess. So first thing is a disclaimer. Um, as always, I'm doing my best to remember these. This particular story happened in 2007. As I'm telling this, it's 2022. So it was a while ago. I've lived a lot of life since then. So uh, I'm gonna do my best to uh, recall things for you as truthfully as I can. If there are things that I'm not quite sure, I'll say it. If there are things that I think I may, uh, I, if there are things that I may have heard from others, I'll try to specify that too. But I just want to, you know, lay it out for you as accurately as possible, because the truth is crazy enough most of the time. It doesn't need embellishment. So, I'll just try to go with that. Okay. So, um, this particular mission, and this is just one mission I'm going to be talking about. Uh, it's, you know, everyone's got a mission that sticks out to them, um, one that is maybe the most interesting. Everyone's got uh, a, a unique mission in mind for any such category, but this one falls under the most interesting. Uh, I'll, I do have other stories and we'll get to those, but not as much, in, not in as much great detail. This one was just a unique set of circumstances and, and a series of events that, 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 I, that I know for me and for, for those that I've talked to that were there with me, um, this one sort of sticks out for us. So this is during that second deployment to Afghanistan. This is late 2007, uh, specifically in August, or excuse me, October of 2007. I remember the time because early October is a big deal for Rangers especially for those in 375 Um, October of 1993 was the, the uh, Somalia task force Ranger, the black Hawk down incident as most of you would know it as. Um, So for us and for third Ranger battalion, that's also uh, around the time when we were founded, our battalion was founded Uh, that time of the year, not not, not in 1993. Um, So, So that stuck out to me. I always remembered that. So this was in the early days of October of that year. Uh, In terms of the mission itself, I don't remember anything in the pre-briefs that stuck out as unique. Um, I do know that, you know, our platoon was going out with enablers. Enablers, for those who don't know, are are folks who are supporting the the raid um, who are not necessarily Rangers. Uh, In this case, we have... um, they had different acronyms, but I'll, I'll just say we had, I believe they were civil affairs attachments. Um, we had, um, I'll say law enforcement attachments, and that might sound interesting. I, I know I've heard other folks in other podcasts be more specific about those programs. I won't, just because I don't, I don't know that much about them. I just know that they were tagging along, um, but I'll just say that we had federal law enforcement attachments with us. On this mission, um, my squad was the squad I was in, not my squad, but the squad I was in was tasked with second assault. So first assault would be the main ones um, going into the target objective. Um, second assault, us, we'd be inner cordon. Then you'd have uh, blocking positions by our weapons squad and so on and so forth. So that's that's what we were looking at going into this mission. Um We loaded out just like we had. I think by that time, we'd gone on a handful, less than five missions up into this one. So this was very early on in this deployment still. Um, We loaded up. Uh, I believe that since we were second assault uh, and we expected walls, we were bringing ladders. So I believe that I was carrying a ladder in addition to an assault ladder in addition to my usual isn't that cool? Isn't that funny how you say a salt ladder and then it instantly becomes like 10 times cooler? It's just a ladder. So I think I was carrying a ladder um, and uh, just my rifle. I had a breaching tool on my back. Pretty simple, pretty standard. Uh, some water. That's about it. So a very standard loadout. That'll be important later. So we go off for the bird. I believe we were, I think we were almost always, it was a two ship formation uh, CH or MH Forty sevens from the one sixtieth um, night stalkers, um, best pilots out there. Everyone has said it; it's true. So it's a it's a two ship. We go out to wherever the target is. Back in those days, like it seemed like every flight was minimum like hour, hour and a half. It was nuts. We were flying all over the place. So we're flying. Um, we're loaded in there. We're packed into these birds. Um, there were enough of us in there that I remember that we didn't have the seats down on the side, so everyone was sitting on the on on the floor of the aircraft, um, uh, sitting each other sitting in each other's laps in like three rows facing aft towards the ramp ramp of the Chinook. Um, and that's that's also that's also an important detail. So we're we're flying do what we do, you know, as we're flying, um, for the most part, you get to zone out. You know, some of the key leaders, they'll be plugged into the comms on the bird and they'll be listening to updates about the objective as we're flying in. At the time, I was a team leader, an assault team leader. So um, not one of those, you know, key leaders. I wasn't the ground force commander, not, not, not the platoon sergeant, anything like that. So I could pretty much just zone out. Just sit there, maybe even catch a few Zs. I don't remember if I slept on this mission. So um, we're flying in. There's a countdown procedure. So as you're getting closer to the objective, there'll be calls that start going out that you pass pass along to everyone. Um, I can't remember what the calls are. Um, but uh, let's say there's a 10-minute call. I don't think there's a 10-minute call. But let's say there's a 10-minute call. That's about the time when you might wake each other up. So you start pushing everyone say, 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 Hey, wake up. Um, once you get down into like the single digits they're, they're. it's actually pretty prescriptive the way the rangers do it. Um, believe it or not, you would believe it if you've listened to this podcast before, but at certain time hacks, as we're about to, to, to deplane or get off the helicopter, um, there are specific things we do. I, I don't know if this is the correct time hack, but like, let's say at three minutes, You'll check your nods. You'll put your nods down. You'll turn them on, you know, make sure that they're good to go. You might flip them back up, keep them down. I don't know. At a certain point, you check radios, all that kind of stuff. Very prescriptive. So we're working through this countdown as we're coming in. Um, here is where, here's where the details get fuzzy. It had to have been a two-ship formation because they always fly that way. But we were really packed in here. So what I, what I believe happened is the LZ, where we were, the landing zone, where we were coming into, was small enough where uh, the two birds had to cycle in. And that means that they had to take turns coming in. Um, again, this is what I, I believe. I don't know this for 100%, but it would fit the details. So I believe my bird was the second one to come in. So we're orbiting, we're orbiting the landing zone. And I, I think that's also to cover to provide cover for that first bird that goes in. So it goes in, it lands, it drops off, it's guys, I believe, it cycles out. The problem in Afghanistan were the brownouts. So as a bird comes in, it kicks up a bunch of dust, d- shit, dirt, all kinds of things. Um, and it creates like this thick cloud that that people can't see through. So I, I believe what 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 happened was first bird cycled in, dropped off the people in there, took off. My bird went to go in. As my bird's going in, um, I remember at this point that I'm on a knee. We're I'm we're still snap-linked into the floor. We have these um, we don't there are no we don't have seat belts on these helicopters. So um we have these tethers that are connected to our to belts, these these rigging belts that we have, riggers belts that we have that have a, a big snap link D ring that we snap into the floor with. And that keeps us in the bird. So if the birds were, were to go, you know, un- spin uncontrollably, we wouldn't just fly out of the back. So um, I'm snapped into the floor. I got my hand on the D ring. My other hands on my, on my weapon are, are holding this ladder that I think that I'm carrying for this mission. Um, we're coming in and there, are, when, if you do this enough, there are certain sounds that you're used to hearing as you come into land, and certain feelings that you're used to feeling. So the bird comes in, you feel it flare, so you feel the nose go up sharply. You feel the deceleration. You feel like your your change in, um, you feel the change in like your center of gravity as the helicopter's moving around. There's like a specific there's a there's a sequence of of whines like sounds like whines that the engines make, um, and the and the um, is it propellers? Man, I'm sorry, aviators. I don't remember. Um, helicopter blades, the blades that the blades are making. There's even a sound that they're making. Um, I remember I was by a window. So I'm looking out like this bubble window on the 47 and it's I just see brown. It's just brown. Um, can't see outside. I can't see the objective area. And what I remember is, is that it felt like we were in this brownout for a long time it's, you know, again, we'd done this so many times, I was used to kind of the sequence and the timing of how these guys landed the birds. And and that's one thing, they're so good, that they, there's even consistency to how they land. So that, that's how spoiled we are. You know, those of us who get to work with the 160th, there, there's, there's even like a timing. And, and I remember feeling like, oh, shit, something's weird, something's off. Um, something doesn't feel right. And we're in this we're in this brownout, and, and I can feel my center of gravity shifting. I can feel it moving around in ways that are not normal for a normal landing. And it feels, <laughs> and it, it just doesn't feel right. And um, I'm looking out the window. I'm looking out back towards the ramp. I'm just getting ready to go. And then, boom. The next thing I know, I'm on my back. I'm on my back just that quickly. I'm looking out the window. I'm looking out of the back of the ramp. Boom. I'm on my back just instantly. I'm on my back. Um, I'm on my back and I hear the engines whining um, in a way that I hadn't heard them before. And I see not only am I on my back, but someone's on top of me. Someone's on top of me. Everyone's laying down inside the bird. Um, And, and. And I remember people starting to pick themselves up and the ramp is down and you can see the guys towards the ramp starting to run off. So, so you're just like, okay, that was weird. <laughs> we're, we're running off the bird. I, 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 I feel like I remember hearing groans inside, um, inside the bird. Um, I don't remember, you know, I don't know if the violence of, you know, by the way, some context. So, you know, the, the aviators, would call that a hard landing. Those of us inside as passengers would use common sense and call that a crash. Like it, it certainly felt like a crash to me. Um, I will call it a crash. Our platoon called it a crash. That's what we did. Um, but I think technically the, the aviators would describe that as a hard landing. You know, essentially what had happened was, um, I believe that, you know, whether it was the cycling of the birds that created a, br- a brownout that, that, that was difficult to deal with, or if it was just, or if they were coming into their own LZ and the dust was just especially bad this time and, and they had some trouble navigating it, um, the, 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 the pilots needed to do what they needed to do. And they, you know, I, I, I think they dumped that collective to get the bird on the ground and, uh, maybe it was a little bit higher than they expected. So that's the context about what happened. Um, but our, so back to me. So I, I, I don't think that I went unconscious. I don't think um, if I did, it would have been a very short time. But who know? I don't know. Um, I just know that I'm looking out. And the next thing I know, like my 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 reality is all different. Now I'm looking straight up and everyone's all discombobulated. So guys are piling off the bird. I grab my equipment. I unsnap. I come off the bird, um, I come off, usually when we come off the bird, we come out and we do like a half moon circle, pulling security out, uh, I remember that as I'm coming off the bird, some folks are moving a little slower than others, I'm okay, I'm feeling okay, uh, I go, I take a knee, I look back, the bird's sitting there, the bird looks okay to me, everything looks fine, um, uh, but I do see one guy hobbling off, I like like limping off of the bird, and, um, uh, so he's, he's, he's hobbling off the bird's still sitting there though. So he's hobbling off and I hear some folks talking, um, and I hear that guy who's hobbling off. He's like, he's like, uh, Hey Sergeant, I'm fucked up. And, um, there's some talking back and forth. And then, um, so his team leader, presumably, or the squad leader, somebody said, Hey, get back on there. So, uh, that guy had broken his leg. So he, he hobbles back onto the bird. The bird's sitting there a lot longer than any of us want it to be there. Um, I know the, the, pilot, the, the pilot, the air crew don't want to be on the ground that long, and we don't want them because, you know, they want to be flying where they're safer. Um, and we don't want them on the ground that long because it just brings more attention to us. So I'm, I remember feeling like, okay, these guys got to go. Um, as long as they can fly it, they need to go. And so they, they police up that guy, maybe one other guy. I don't remember but then the bird takes off. So seeing that guy hobble off the ramp and hearing what he said, I was like, okay, we might have a few people that are better jacked up. I was feeling fine. My team was fine. Our squad was, was good to go. Uh, and that was my world at the time. So I was like, okay, let's, let's move on. We need to move on. Um, but definitely that first part, that infill, you know, was a little bit of, uh, you know, wasn't, wasn't as managed as well as we would have liked it to. And that that factors in later on. Um, so we go to the objective. Uh, I don't remember much of a walk, so I think we were pretty close. I don't think we landed on the X right on top of it. I think we landed on the Y, um, which is offset just a little bit, you know, by a few hundred meters or so. Um and so I remember getting to the, to the target and, um, we were second assault. So the BP set up, the blocking position set up, faced, you know, faced out second assault. We came in, got on our ladders. I remember the walls being shorter than we expected. So I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't know that we actually even got on them or if we did, we just barely needed the ladders, um, which sucks when you have to carry them. So that's just something that, you know, you're like, okay, we didn't even need these ladders, but, um, so I remember setting up for the inner on the uh, first assault went in. They cleared it. I don't think they found anyone. no shooting, no gunfight. just pretty simple. I do here's where one of those disclaimers goes. i re- what I remember is being on the wall, watching the objective, watching the village that this that this was going down in. And I remember seeing. The air assets that we had uh, above us, supporting us, highlighting something. Um, we had there, There's technology available um, that could display to us where something of interest was. And I just remember sitting on the wall and the, the aircraft would be highlighting something, spotlighting something, we'll say, um, like relatively close to us. And then a little bit more time would go on. And the thing that they're tracking is a little bit further away and further away and further away. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, dang, are we going to have to go after that? (laughs) So my guess is, is that in our, um, our disorganized uh, infill, whoever was in the building left, I don't remember getting anybody out of that building. Um, Another note is I think we found military equipment in this building too um so i i don't i vaguely remember there being like camouflage folks saying again i didn't go in on the assault the 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 internal clearing but i feel like it was called out like hey we've got some military equipment some camo um you know some weapons nods even for some reason nods sticks out to me uh night night vision and so this piqued our interest So, the combination of, okay, maybe this, this, there could have been a bad, bad guy in this objective. Like, we may have actually got him, found him, found out where he was betting down. And the combination of that and the fact that they were tracking someone leaving the objective area who presumably came out of that building. We were like, okay, now the conversation is like, okay, we're going after this guy. So, um, and and hearing that that there's military equipment there, that, that changes things. I mean, you expect it, but especially when you heard nods. Again, this is 2007. Like we the United States, we were the ones we owned the night because we had this technology. So when we would hear that that the people we're facing could potentially have it, that changes things because the way we used equipment back then in in our and uh, to our benefit, you know, those are not way you couldn't do the things we'd like to do all the time if your enemy had nods and could see the same things so something that caught our attention so um the first assault had some dudes who were banged up from that hard landing um so as second assault we got tasked to chase down this guy and i can't remember one i think it was two but um let's say this one this guy got, got tasked to chase down this guy so they're like, hey, we need to grab this guy. I don't know whose call it was. I don't know if it was the ground force commander or someone important sitting in a jock joint operations center somewhere, uh, air conditioned and comfortable. But they said, hey, got it. You guys have some casualties from the infill. We want this. We really need to get this guy anyways. And um, that, that's not always the case. You know, sometimes bad dudes get away. Um, you know, we have the benefit of technology to where, you know, if someone really, you know, the term we use, the te- highly technical term we use is squirter. So they squirt from the objective, they leave the objective. Right. Um, so if, if they leave the objective and they're far enough away that we can't hoof it and catch them, you know, well, we have the benefit of like some of the orbiting aircraft that can just follow the guy and we can get them the next time. We don't have to do this. Um, but we've got, we've got casualties. We've got, um, I believe the count is I think we had two broken legs just from the infill, two broken legs, like four broken ankles. So I think we've got six guys in the strike force that have that have, uh, that have uh, some issues. They're dealing with issues in their mobility. Um, but someone makes the call. We need to get this guy. So we're like, all right, my squad, the squad I'm in is the, the most intact. So and we're second assault anyways. So we're the ones sent to go chase him down so it's uh in my in the squad there are two teams two team leaders the senior team leader uh he leads out and then my team is following him in trail and we're leading the rest of the strike force and trying to track this guy down um again if you've ever carried ladders to uh to a raid uh, you'll love this i got to pass off the ladders to the other squad awesome so now we're traveling light nimble we're going to go chase down these guys the terrain is mountainous obviously so definitely dusty brown you know um but mountainous the mountains in this area um no trees just rocks just giant boulders and and gravel and shale just rocks just very rocky um so we're chasing this guy and by the way so when we'd landed it wasn't to you know let's say local time let's say it was like 11 midnight like it was you know pretty pretty, pretty early on in the the cycle of dark so we did our hit and it's pretty much empty so that goes pretty clear so it's still relatively early in the night when we go start chasing after this guy so again we're really what we're really doing is is following the the um the, uh, the spotlighting, that's the term, the spotlighting that the aircraft overhead is giving us. So, you know, we're, we're, we're definitely trying to catch up to this guy. So we're not too concerned with security along the way. We're more concerned with catching up to him. Um, you know, this dude is hopped up on adrenaline. He heard the strike force come in. He heard the, all the commotion. He bolted. He's scared for his life. Wouldn't you? Right. And he had to, he and we had to make up that time. So we're really moving out to try to catch up to this guy. Um, he's not wearing body armor. He's not wearing plates. He doesn't have helmets and rifles and, the, and breaching tools and all this. We do. So we're really expending a lot of energy trying to catch up to this guy. And the, the terrain is just insane. And by the way, there was no alum. It, there was like zero. There was like zero moonlight. So there wasn't any natural illumination and our nods. And at the time we were in PVS 14s, just like a single tube, the single tube nod. Um, Like, you know, without a loom, they were, they were nearly useless. Um, And we're just crawling over up and down these boulders here and there. And it was pretty tough. Um, I remember at one point I'm walking along, I'm walking along, we're climbing up. And I'm walking and I, and I step off basically like into the abyss and I just fall onto my side. Like, like just stepped and there was nothing there in front of me and just fall. Um, It was so dark. I, I couldn't estimate the fall. I think when I went to get up, like maybe, maybe I had to like put my arm out like this to push myself back up, to get back up to where I had been. So, you know, if, if it were daytime and I saw that and I just did like a quick jump down, it wouldn't have been a big deal. Um, but because it was night and because I didn't see it and because I just, that could have been, that could have been off a cliff, you know, you never know. So that was scary. Um, but it's, it's, we're, we're chasing these guys down. Um, we're huffing, we're puffing. Um, they keep moving out. We're not really closing the distance. And that goes on basically all night all night we're chasing these guys we're sucking down all our water remember i told you like we 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 were kitted up just for like a regular assault you know in the best case scenario or or the ideal state we would have landed gotten off the bird way quicker you know hit the objective got our guy jumped back on the birds you know (laughs) in and out in and out in an hour right or less um now here we are we're hours and hours into chasing this guy um chasing this guy who'd come out of that objective area so um and sucking down all our water sweating um uh so daybreak comes and daybreak comes and uh thankfully finally um the guy we were chasing he'd he stopped moving so we could see we could see the aircraft highlighting an area that was just standing still we're like thank god finally and of course it stops on like one of the biggest one of the biggest hills i guess i'll call it ridges that's out there and we're like okay he stopped he's stopping he's held up um i don't remember what calls came out the aircraft can see more than we can they were like hey i see something he might have something but what I do know is they did call out that he was in like a cave. So we're like, okay, he's in a cave. Usually good things don't happen in caves. Um, uh, People like to hide things in caves. Lord knows what this guy has. So we come up to this, to this hill and we can see, we can see about the area where this cave is. We can, we can't see into it, but we can look up and we can kind of see where it is. And we know he's hiding out there. So, Squad leader comes up with this hasty plan. We're gonna do like this sort of like pinch pincher, like flanking maneuver. So um uh, the first team is gonna come basically we're gonna do like a top-down clear almost. That was the plan. So for first team's gonna go up, my team. I'm gonna take my team, we're gonna go up, up around, and then down, and then clear down. Um so we go to execute that, and this thing is high. And, and my team has to go even higher because we're trying to create this like enveloping movement, this flanking movement. So we're climbing up and it is tough. We're, we're at some kind of altitude. I don't know, but even on top of that, we're doing like killer, like stair steps, climbing up this thing. And like I said, it's just boulders and, and gravel, shale, whatever, like it's tough. And, um, one of my guys is really hurting um he's like long since out of water um he's huffing and puffing uh, he wasn't that long at a ranger school right so he wasn't at like his peak physical condition um unfor- unfortunately you know that's what we do so uh he's huffing and puffing we get to the top where we're about I, I we my team gets up to the top we're about to make that turn headed down the mountain now and he's like hyperventilating so i have to pause and i have to call out like hey we need Two, we need two seconds to catch our breath before we go down um, because we don't know what's going on there. Uh, we're assuming that he's held up in there. He's got, you know, he's got, like, guns. Maybe he's got explosives. I don't know. But I don't want to be out of breath when we cross, cross the threshold, when we get into this guy's view. So I said, hey, I need two minutes, two minutes for my team to, like, co- collect ourselves here. So we're, we're hooking up, you know, this, the guy on our team. We're hooking him up with water. Um, We're saying like, all right, catch your breath, calm down. Here we go. Uh, we do like a quick powwow. Say, okay, hey, there's there's like the top of the cave that this guy's in. Keep your eye out. Spread out. Let's go down. Be careful. So we start going down. Start going downhill now, which is way better. But it, now it's scary because we're we're convinced that we're gonna shoot it out with whoever this guy is in the um, in the uh, in the cave. So he. Um, we're climbing down and that's a unique feeling, right? Again, large boulders. So it you, you can't like, you're not a ninja climbing down these hills. Um, so we're making noise. There's rocks rolling down, you know, telegraphing our movement that we're coming down. Um, we're going down uh, the the other team. The other team gets there first. They get a good vantage point and they're able to call this guy out. So I hear over the radar as we're, as my teams sort of delicately picking our way down this mountain, this gravel mountain, uh, we get the call that, and we can see that, Hey, um, the first team got him, pulled him out. We're good to go. So I'm like, okay, great. we're going to live today. So we, we get down the mountain a little bit more relaxed, link up, see the guy he's per usual. He's, you know, malnourished man. Um, 30s, 40s, something like that. Grown man, um, wearing basically nothing. He's got... uh, He definitely had an AK. And I remember he had um, a shopping bag. A shopping bag with some rounds in it. That was was pretty much it. Um, For those who don't know, who haven't been to Afghanistan, it's very interesting. They, They really... You know, they don't have much. In some places, they don't have much. So they'll like really... They'll really like stretch the lifespan of a shopping bag, like a plastic shopping bag you'd get from a store. And so that this guy, he this guy kept his rounds. So he had like I guess like a little cache inside his little cave, which was his AK, and then um plastic grocery store bag full of uh, full of ammo. And I one thing I remember was you know some of it was linked. It didn't even make sense. So he had some like some like um. Individual AK rounds, and then he had some linked rounds. I was just like, okay, this is a little disappointing, honestly. So we pick this guy up. We're the heroes. We caught the guy. We caught up with him, um, and we start to head out. Now it's daytime. So by the time we actually get eyes on this guy, as as my team was at the top of the mountain, it was full. It was daytime, full, fully light outside. Uh, we're getting together. We're placing him up. We're catching our breath. We're high fiving each other um taking pictures uh back then like we had like disposable cameras that was still a thing and so like you know the squad leader is like pretty stoked like that we we uh that we caught this guy so there's a i'm staring at the back wall um of this of this squad picture we took uh with the ak and we got his shit and we're looking proud so um so yeah so we're feeling good about ourselves. We link up with the rest of the platoon. So we're we're headed. So yeah, so we link up with the rest of the platoon. We're still in this high ground area. So we're like basically on like a ridge. So the mountain that we're on sort of connects to this ridge. And uh, there's a valley down to like our left. And straight in front of us, straight in front of us. And then going by to our left is maybe like a stream. Some kind of stream. Um, and again, it's like mountainous, very gravelly, no trees, just big, huge boulders everywhere. So I remember the platoon's at a halt on the top of this ridge. Um, and we're trying to figure out what we're going to do because this is not what we do. We, we don't like sticking around until daylight isn't really our thing. Um, we prefer to be in and out in, in a very short amount of time. So when you stay till daylight, there are consequences for that. So, in our case, um, we had to remain over a day. We call it Rod, remain over a day. Uh, we do that because we don't want to put the helicopters and the air crew at risk. Um, they're great pilots, they're fantastic, um, but they fly these very large, like matte black uh, helicopters in and out of these mountain passes areas. Um, and so, and as we've seen before during the war and then after my time, you know, like you can, if someone knows what they're doing, they can knock one out of the sky. So when it comes to daybreak, if you are, um, uh, if there's a relatively high threat of that happening and if, if, um, the platoon can, you know, cover down somewhere and stay relatively safe, then that's just something we choose to do. So, Um, the call was made, Hey, we're going to remain over a day. So we're like, Oh man. So we're, we're chasing, we're chasing these dudes up and down these mountains all night, hours and hours and hours all night. We're chasing this guy. We caught him. Great. But it's like, damn. So now we got to wait all day to get back. So, um, we're at the top of this Ridge and we're starting to talk through what we're going to do, um, where we're going to go. So in that valley that's off down to the left, um, there's like, you could see some sort of agriculture going on, some sort of like planned human, you know, um, uh, farming is going on. Something's going on down there, something organized. And then you see this compound down in this valley. So someone makes the call, not someone, whoever is in charge, ground force commander, platoon sergeant, those people, PL. They say, hey, we're going to rod in that compound during the day and then we're going to fly out in the next period of darkness so we go down to so yeah so we need to so we need to go we're on the top of the ridge we need to go down towards the stream and then back over towards the valley so i remember as we're walking on this ridge we see i remember seeing these rock formations in my memories they're arrows Um, I don't know that they're. they could have been circles, they could have been something, but it was clearly man-made stone, stone things going on. But what I, I I remember them as arrows, but I think they definitely did show some kind of like forward motion. That's how I interpreted it. So I remember thinking like, oh, that's interesting. This, these rocks are telling us to go in the same direction that we're going. Uh, You know, I just thought that was interesting. So we go down, we get down towards a stream hang a left. We're in the valley. Um, as we're doing that, another squad was in front of us. Another squad was in front of us for this long train. Now the assault force of, you know, I'm not going to say a number, whatever our assault force is. Um, we're kind of stretched out good discipline. It's the, it's the middle of the day. Um, you don't bunch up as close. Now you got to spread out. Now people, now your enemy can see you. So we're kind of stretched out over a good about, amount of distance as we're making our way towards this compound. Um, and the first squad in front of us sees this guy, this guy in front of that orchard. And he's like waving us down. He's like waving at us. And I remember hearing the calls over the radio. They're like, what's this guy doing? It's just a guy by himself just down there at the mouth of this valley, waving us over. Right. So, and that's strange. And so he's waving us down. Call goes out for that first squad to detain him. So they detain him, they bring up the interpreter, they're talking to him, they tell us to keep pushing forward because we need to get into that compound so we have a defensible space. So we're walking, I see, so now we're deep in the valley on both sides. We've got on both sides of this valley, it's maybe, and it's hard for me to judge distance, you know, maybe a foot, maybe two, a football field and a half to two football fields across and then it's really it's a really long a really long valley and then you've got these these high hills high hills on both sides you know like a fishbowl um and so we're walking there and i see that the, the agriculture the farming that's going on it's an orchard so um so we're walking and we're in the lead now it goes, the first team in my squad, squad leader, and it's my team. There's this low wall. There's this low wall that that, that that outlines where the beginning of this orchard. And it's like, I always thought it was apricots. I don't know what an apricot tree looks like or if it even grows on trees. But it was some kind of orchard, like that small, thin trees. First team goes over, slides over the wall. I remember I, I kind of like lift my leg over lift my other leg over this low stone wall and I'm just about to enter the orchard and I hear this sound behind me and it's like I don't remember the sound but I remember what I saw and and unfortunately I'm gonna I'm gonna pause this episode here but uh I hear this sound behind me and uh I turn around and I see something and uh I'll tell you what I see I look back and I see this column of black and white smoke behind me and i'm trying to process that and that's where i'm gonna have to pause this thing so um yeah i'll do one more of these i'll finish up the story in the next one i promise um and then we'll get steve back in here so it's not just me talking to myself so appreciate you listening appreciate you suffering through that um we'll catch you in the next one bye